You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, North Canton Chapel family. We're so excited uh, that you're here with us again this morning. We're in week three of our study in James. This study is going to continue throughout the summer. And I'm so excited to be able to share with you this morning because I believe that when we open God's word and we study it, that it has the power to change us. Not just change us, but change our families and change our communities and even change our world. You see, uh, there's a lot going on in our world right now. Our world is a mess with all the brokenness and it breaks my heart. Uh, I believe there's not a more needed passage or a more needed word for the church than the one that we're going to share today. You see, we live in a world confused and conflicted more than ever before. And uh, every day seems unstable and there's new stresses around every corner. And uh, people just don't know what to believe anymore. You know, this past week I saw on social media that really summed up the confusion in our world that I'm talking about. It said, if you're silent, you're part of the problem. If you speak up, you're part of the problem. If you have to ask, you don't understand. And if you don't ask, you don't care. You see, there's so much confusion today. And I I believe that when we truly look into God's word as the source of truth, that'll help recenter and refocus our lives. You see, what we need in this world is is, is not more social media posts and not more people standing up with with agendas or, or being vocal about things. But what we need is a whole lot less talk and we need the people of God to be active. You know, I've heard it said before that uh, actions speak louder than words, and that's a very true statement. But I'll take it a little bit further and say that our actions actually reveal what's true in our hearts. So we've been in James for a few weeks now, and what we've learned up to this point is, is James is the half-brother of Jesus, right? And he's, the, he's a prominent leader in the church in Jerusalem. The church had fallen on some hard times and some persecution. Uh, there, were, there was some division. People were divided and dispersed. And, and many in the church were, were deceived into believing that they had true faith. James was, was brave in, in bringing some of these relevant issues to the forefront and confronting them. Um, you know, in, in his writings, he was very, uh, very confrontive, very direct. Out of the 108 verses in the book of James, we see 58 commands throughout the, the book of James. And I think that's amazing because what it does for us is it, it helps us to see uh, and understand how applicable and how practical what James's writing is for the Christian life. James is often cited as one of the most practical and applicable books in the New Testament. And uh, it's, it's one of the oldest New Testament books written. And, um, you know, what, what James is, is writing here really echoes a lot of, of the language that we see in the book of Proverbs or even in the Sermon on the Mount. But James is also writing and echoing uh, what Jesus said in his teachings as well. So if you're new to the Bible, you're new to studying God's Word, uh, this would be a really great place for you to start because it's so practical, it's so applicable, and it's pretty easy to understand. So from here on out, like what we've read up to this point, I want to encourage you to go back and watch uh, week one and week two. Uh, but the theme of the book of James it can be simplified to this statement. Genuine faith in Jesus 
always responds by obedience to Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Genuine faith in Jesus always responds by faith to Jesus or obedience to Jesus. Simply put, true faith is active. You know, in week one, Brandon unpacked for us uh, the, the passage where it says, consider it joy, my brothers, right? Uh, when you face trials that you're, you're going to experience in your life, testing of your faith. And that testing of your faith is what produces steadfastness or produces growth. And the goal that we are supposed to see in that is uh, that we're supposed to see God in the midst of our trials and in the midst of our suffering. Week two, last week, Brandon unpacked uh, that we see th that growth in the Christian life is, is tainted by sin. And no matter who you are, uh, no matter what you've done, we're all tainted by sin. We're all tempted to, to step in and, and veer off course to believe uh, the, the, the lies of the enemy rather than the truths of God and his word. So today, week three, we're going to pick up in verse 19 through 27. Just eight simple verses, uh, but they're direct nuggets of truth and wisdom. So this common passage, many of you have probably read and heard and understand if you've been in church at any length of time. It's pretty straightforward language and, and really, like I said, pretty easy to understand. So what I know is this. Sometimes the easiest messages to understand are the hardest ones to apply to our lives. You see, it's, it's the hardest to apply because it challenges deep within us the way that we live. I would also say this, that it's also the most challenging to preach because I know I get in my own head and, and I try to over, I oversimplify this. Like God's word is true and in reading and unpacking this simple message, like it becomes real and practical even for me this week. So today I want us to see that true growth is produced by hearing and doing the word. But before we get into God's word together, I'd love for us to pray together before we get into God's word. So let's pray. Father, we, we love you and we come before you this morning and we admit that we need your help. Father, we need to see ourselves rightly. We need to see you rightly. Father, we know that you have put us in this world to be salt and light. And uh, Father, that you want to speak to us and, 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 and change us by the power of your word. So Father, would we not just be hearers today, but you would soften our ears and soften our hearts so that, that the things that you've implanted in your truth would resonate in our lives today so that we would become obedient doers of your word. Father, challenge every part of who we are and motivate us to live differently because of that. Father, would we embrace your truth and your word today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to James chapter 1. Like I said, we'll be in verses 19 through 27. We'll pick up in verse 19. James writes this. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. See, I can stop right there and, and just let that preach. That'll preach for days, right? Verse 20, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God uh, is before God the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Like I said, we can just stop right there and close the book and, and let that preach for itself. It's so easy to understand, but often so hard to apply. You know, at face value, when we read James, it feels like he's jumping around from from one thing to the next. But what I want us to do is step back and see this common theme, that genuine faith in Jesus always responds by obedience to Jesus. Here in particular, I want us to focus on the phrase that Pastor Brandon left us with last week at the end of verse 18. It says this, Of his own will, right, Jesus, he brought forth by the word of truth that we we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You see, this idea or this phrase, word of truth, runs all throughout these verses here, and it's a common element that we're going to unpack in verses 19 through 27. Word of truth means the gospel, but more broadly, it means the word of God. And James starts in verse 19. He says, know this. He's giving this imperative command uh, to believers. He's saying, know this, my beloved brothers. He's reminding them of something that they already know. But it's a simple reminder. And, and like we read, it's, it's for every person. Some, it says to be quick to hear, to be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. That statement is a general statement which is true for everyone. I mean, I can't think of a more profound and and needed word uh, that we need right now in our world than that. Not just during this pandemic, but all the things going on in and around our world. We have people talking way too much and listening way too little. Uh, Everybody has an opinion about something and everyone's an expert on something and everybody wants to be heard. But if we all practice this progression of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry... I think that it would really please the heart of God. You see, God created each one of us with two ears and one mouth for a purpose so that we would listen twice as much as we speak. But what makes a good listener? It is is not just as simple as having two ears, right? Not just everybody can listen. Um, You know, it's, it's not that easy. You know, we have to learn to take the focus off of ourselves to become a good listener. You know, when we, when we stop worrying about what we want to say and what we want to hear and what we want to learn, and uh, when we do that, we, we shift the focus from ourselves to other people. Listening truly shows that you care. Listening truly shows that you want to understand and you want to learn. And I, I truly believe that the heart of listening is a genuine love for others. You hear over and over throughout Proverbs that the person who is wise listens more than they talk, and when they do speak, they're careful to do it. That reminds me of an old nursery rhyme that goes like this. There's an old old owl, uh, there's a wise old owl that lived in an oak. The more he knew, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he knew. 
And the same applies to me and you. You see, listening is so important because it's the first piece in this progression that helps us grow in our faith. James goes on in verse 20, and he explains the reason that we should be, you know, swift to listen and and slow to speak. He says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You see, in moments where I'm quick to speak and slow to listen or slow to hear, those are the moments in my life that I get very angry. And when I get angry, it doesn't honor God. It's very possible that even this week you've experienced anger or frustration. You know, I've found in my life that when I get angry, my ability to think uh, rationally or think logically goes out the window. It's like anger is this switch that turns our ears off and allows us to only hear what we want to hear. You know, when I get angry with somebody else, uh, the goal of what I try to do is I try to prove myself. I, I try to prove that I'm right. And when I do, I go on the offense to try to prove that they are wrong. Rather than listening to hear and understand and, 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 and to be fully heard. But when I get angry, it's, it's, it's not always at a person. You know, sometimes I get angry at myself. Uh, sometimes I get angry at cer- circumstances or situations. And uh, you can ask my daughters, you know, they see sometimes my anger and my frustration because I allow the situation or I allow the circumstance to get the best of me. And I'll share a brief story about that. Um, I hate talking about this dishwasher story, but a uh, little word of wisdom here. Next time I go to buy a dishwasher, uh, I'm going to pay the $186 or whatever it was to have it installed by the, by the people at Home Depot or Lowe's. Um, because my frustration, um, it, it, it caused me to boil over the top. And what happened... Um, not that I'm not handy, you know, I feel like I can do projects like that. Um, but whoever installed a previous dishwasher, right, it was their fault, only left me about six inches of electrical line to attach the new dishwasher. So I'm underneath this dishwasher trying to attach the plumbing line, the hose and all the clamps and all that good stuff. And then trying to, to, to get my arms far back underneath this dishwasher as I can to attach the electrical. And I was just so frustrated because I couldn't fix it. And what happens in these moments when I get angry uh, is I start yelling and I'm frustrated at myself. I'm frustrated that I can't fix it. You know, there may or may have not been tools that have been thrown across the room. Um, and, and, and what happens in those moments is my daughters see my anger take root and get the best of me. And I remember what happened in that moment. Leanne came over to me and uh, she gave me a hug and she's like, she's like, Dad, it's going to be okay. She gave me an encouragement like, Dad, you can do this. And uh, I needed to hear that because I needed to be reminded of what I was believing in the moment was not true. It's okay that I couldn't fix it. I could have asked for help. And sometimes we need those reminders. You see, anger is a real emotion that we often all feel from time to time that rears its ugly head at people or at circumstances. You see, human anger at its very core stems from pride and selfishness within us. And it's a product of underdeveloped, our underdeveloped willingness to listen. But the beautiful thing about anger, as ugly as it is, if we look deeper into it, it actually exposes what we're believing in our hearts. So it is good in a way because it can call us to understand what we're getting angry and frustrated about. So every time you get angry or frustrated, it reveals the root of your belief. The things that you're angry about point to the unbelief about who you are, about who God is, 
And it's really as simple as that. James reiterates here in this passage that the anger of man does not accomplish what God wants you to do. What does God want us to do? He wants us to grow in righteousness. But what does that righteousness look like in our life? Well, it's, it's living in such a way, it's speaking in such a way, it's thinking and acting in such a way that represents who God is, what he's like, and it displays it to the world around us. You see, God's word, the gospel, is the seed in which we grow up in our faith, in which we grow in righteousness. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that we are to grow up in every way into him, Jesus, right, who is the head. And that's the goal of every believer, that we would grow up, that the Christian life is all about growing into maturity. And maturity is more, more than just age, right? It's more than just getting older, because I know a lot of older people uh, that are not mature. But maturity is not based, based upon how much truth of God you know, but it is, it is based upon how much of that truth by God's grace that you're living. He goes on to say in verse 21, uh, that he's, he encouraged us to put away anger and filthiness and wickedness. And similar to what we see Paul do in, in his writings, Paul is, is giving us a list of behaviors to put off and a list of behaviors to put on. We see stuff like that in Colossians chapter 3, for instance. James does something a little bit different. Rather than giving us a list of things to put on, he directs us to humbly receive the word, he says, which is able to save your souls. You see, I want us to see that verse 21 is pretty much the key to this passage right here. But it's not just listening and hearing God's word, because those are good things. It's true growth um, in the Christian life produced by hearing and receiving the, the, that implanted word that actually creates that growth. It's received in a posture, it says, with meekness, right? Receiving with meekness the implanted word. So it's a posture of desperation and need. It's acknowledging that we are hopeless and, and without Jesus, that we have, have no way of coming to God the Father uh, except through him. You know, in reading God's word and implanting that word upon our heart, um, we embrace it for ourselves. We start to apply it to our lives. And when we do, that, the word of God takes root in our life. And uh, those roots really help our hearts to start shaping the things that we do and shape our actions. So more than just listening to the word, receiving the word is really a call to give up. It's a call to surrender. So for some of us this morning, what we need to hear is just to turn off the noise of, of life. Maybe you're letting the distractions of the world choke out the, the truths of God. Maybe you're letting the distractions of the noise of the world uh, choke out the gospel in your life rather than being shaped by Jesus and his word. You're not experiencing peace or joy or, or love or patience in your life because what you're doing is you're focusing and you're listening and you're consuming all the things that, are, that, that really don't matter in life rather than believing Jesus at his word and he has a better word for us and uh, the work that he has accomplished for us. Also, what James is saying here is, is stop masking your life, that you can put these things away you can recognize that you're no longer defined by the things that you've done, that you are now clothed in the righteousness of God, right? That when, when Jesus uh, died on the cross and forgave us of our sins, that we, you know, we were clothed in his righteousness. And because of that, we are set apart and made clean. 
What James is saying here, though, is if you're just a hearer only, you're deceiving yourselves. James gives us a direct call to action in, in verse 22, and it's super applicable and super easy to understand. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. He says, deceiving only yourselves. I think we in the church have become satisfied for far too long with consuming without the discipline of doing. Now, I want you to hear me rightly in this. I'm not preaching a works-based salvation. We believe that Scripture teaches that works are a byproduct of saving faith. And if you read in Ephesians chapter 2, you, you read and understand that we are saved by grace through faith. And it's not something that you do. It's not something that you work toward, but it is a gift of God. So we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. And James even goes on to unpack this a little bit further, and we'll, we'll hear that in the next couple of weeks in James chapter 2, that faith without works is dead. So we're made alive together with Christ. We're his workmanship for good works, to walk faithfully and diligently for the things that he has for us. And we now have power over sin because the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and what the work that he's done on our behalf. The evidence of this implanted word in our life um, should be changing us. And that's what he's saying here. That's what James is saying. You simply do what it says uh, that God's word is leading you to do. You see, at the very core, we all do what we believe. You know, as much as our anger reveals what's in our heart, our behaviors reveal what we truly believe. But the tension that we live in is oftentimes there's a gap between what we say and what we actually do. Our walk doesn't actually match up with our talk. And maybe our talk, we have good intentions, but our, our walk, our behaviors don't always match up with what we say we believe. So our, our, our external sinful behaviors all stem from an unbelief of who God is and what he has done. I would say that all sin is connected uh, to that unbelief. And we in our lives are all unbelievers at, at some, some way, shape, or form throughout our life. Um, I've heard it said like this, that the, the fruit of our life stems from the root of our faith. So in your life, if you're experiencing anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, it's because in those moments you're putting your faith in something other than the faith, the faith in Jesus and his word. And the goal is that we would grow up, right? The growth in Jesus, this process of sanctification, is really all about moving from unbelief to belief in every area of your life. That's why James is, it's interesting that James is saying that to a group of believers. He, he says it at the end of this statement, that, that you would receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Um, believers... That are, I mean, he's saying this to believers, that they're able to save their souls. And so what we know about salvation is salvation happens in a moment in time, but it's also this process. Um, you know, Scripture says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a process of, uh, of being committed to God and his word. And uh, I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Paul says this, he says, Now I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel of which I preached to you, which you received, right, past tense, which you stand, present, and which you are being saved. So it's, salvation is really this, this working out of, of what God has done, uh, of what he is doing in your life. It's this process, this, this call to action that James is giving here is for all of us to respond to, to God and his word and not just simply hear 
you know, there's many in the church that, that think they are, are religious, right? They, they, many in the church that think they know a thing about the Bible. Uh, they think that because they go to church that God is pleased with them. Um, but the challenge in that is uh, when, when you look at how you're living your life, you got to ask yourself the question, question, does my life match up with what God's Word says? Religious activity does not equal gospel transformation. I heard an illustration one time from Francis Chan. I think it was in one of his small group studies or something like that. And uh, he's really explaining um, this analogy of, of asking his daughter to go clean her room. And he said, what, what would it look like if, if uh, his daughter responded the way to that command as the church does to the commands of God? And I'll expound a little bit further. So Francis Chan says to his daughter, hey, hey honey, I want you to go clean, or clean your room. And she comes down the stairs and she says, hey, dad, guess what? I memorized what you said. You said, go clean your room. No, she wouldn't do that, right? Or, or maybe it's like this. She comes back downstairs and says, dad, I, I understand what you said. And I went deeper with it. Like I learned how to say it in Greek. Go clean your room. I learned how to say it in Greek, dad. He's like, no, you're missing it. And maybe it's like this. She comes back downstairs and says, Dad, I, I got it. I'm going to gather with a group of my friends, and we're going to do a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. You know, I, I know this analogy sounds silly, but that's the truth. That, it's not going to fly. And, and she knows that. And those of you who have children, you ask your children to do something or command them to do something, know that that's not going to fly. Why do we think in the church that it's different? You know, we get into the habit of listening and hearing and memorizing, and we never let it penetrate our hearts and change who we are. You know, I have a friend here at the North Canton Chapel who's also an elder. He's once said that, uh, I'm afraid the church is comprised of a group of people that are learning about things that they themselves will never do. You know, that truth that he said has always stuck with me, that, that we in the church right, are learning about things that, that we may never do ourselves. Church, may that not be true of you. May we not have a head knowledge that, that doesn't transfer down to our heart. And what James is trying to prevent the church here and prevent us uh, from, from hearing and doing is, is not becoming like that, right? It's a direct rebuke and it's simple to understand and easy to apply. We see Jesus teach us something similar in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus says this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, verse 24, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, this passage reminds me of an old song we used to sing in Sunday school, but there's so much truth in this, in this word, right? The truth is, before we can grow in our lives, we have to see things as they really are. James goes on to, to expound that for us in verse 23 and 24. He completes the illustration of a man looking at his face in a mirror and then going away and forgetting what he saw. 
The whole point of looking in a mirror, I know we all do it every day, right? The whole point of looking in a mirror is recognizing your reflection, seeing what needs to change, and then doing something about it. So this morning when I woke up, I had some, some of these little eye crusties right here. I had a little bit of toothpaste hanging off my mouth. This is probably TMI for, for many of you guys, and that just means too much information. And, uh, you know, with a nose this size, yeah, I, I had some boogers hanging out of my nose too. But if I go up to the mirror and I see the things that need to change and I walk away, it defeats the purpose of, of me going to the mirror in the first place, right? And that's the illustration, as, as crazy and as simple as it may be, that James is trying to give for us here. When we go to God's word, it's like a mirror that reflects what we need to see in our life. And what we do, though, it's easy to rationalize or justify the things that we see in our lives that need to change, but we have to be willing to do something about what we see needs to be changed. So God provides his words to uh, word to us so that we can see our right reflection. And by looking into God's word, it illuminates sin. It reveals to us what we need to fix. It convicts us of our unbelief in Jesus and then transforms us as we're obedient to what he says as we live that out. James goes on in verse 25. He says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see here, James is giving a contrast to the one who looks in the mirror and forgets versus the one who looks in the mirror and actually does something about it and changes. Simply put, a hearer forgets and a doer acts. But your motivation behind what you do and what you change comes from where your heart is. You see, being a doer is, is clearly one of the big applications from this passage today. But we miss the boat if we fail to address individually what's going on in our hearts. You see, our hearts are the very thing that drive our actions and drive the things that we do. And it's God's word that align our hearts and the alignment of our hearts to Jesus is what drives our actions. So I love what this verse says here. When we look into the perfect law of liberty, what that means is as we look into the gospel, right, as we gospel our own hearts, and we need to do that often, we need to apply the truths of God's word to our lives often, it frees us. And hopefully for you this morning, uh, that, that, that sets you free, that as we look into his word, it frees us. What does it free us to do? Well, it frees us to see ourselves rightly. It frees us to love ourselves rightly, right? Identity. It frees us to, to love others compassionately the way that God has commanded us to. And it also frees us to love God completely. You know, and it goes on to say those who persevere and making a commitment to the process, what, what it means is you're cultivating a deeper walk with Jesus, that you're looking into this mirror of the word and, and you're doing something about it. It is this, it's really this posture of your life of living in repentance and faith. And we say it often in the church that we need to live our lives in a posture of repentance and faith. Mark chapter 1 verse 18 really calls us to repent and believe the gospel. You know, it says the kingdom of God is at hand, right? The time has come, repent and believe. And really what it's talking about there, the word time is, is this word uh, kairos, and uh, we think of time as, as like the order of time or chronology or chronos, but it's using a different word here for, for time. And what kairos means is, is really these, these moments in, in life uh, that really 
our, our God's appointed time where he is purposing to act and, and show up and break through. So for you and for me, we, we look at these things in our life. They may be little speed bumps. Um, they may be brick walls in your own life, something that's trying to get your attention. The things that make you happy, sad, or angry really are these opportunities for God to awaken your heart and, and have one of these Kairos moments. But what he's calling us to is this call to action in these Kairos moments of, of repenting and believing. And the word repent actually means to have a change of mind or a, a change in your way of thinking. And the word believe is actually a change in your actions or a turning of your direction and going a different direction. So scripture calls us to repent and believe. And really this, this cycle of going to God's word and, and seeing our reflection of what we need to do and what we need to change is really a posture of repentance and faith, repentance and belief. As James comes to a close in verse 26 and 27, he says that true growth in Jesus flows from a changed heart and your heart must be shaped by God's word. He says that these actions really show up in your life and they can become evident. I'm going to go back and read verse 26 and 27 again. It says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his own tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You see, if anyone thinks he's religious, it's this call to check yourself because there are tangible proofs, there's tangible actions of evidence of things that should show up in our life if we have genuine faith. And I, I believe he, James paints it really clear for us here. These tangible actions show up in three different ways. Number one, by controlling our tongue, right? We're, we're going to get into that a whole lot more in James chapter 3, where he talks about the tongue being a fire and it cannot be tamed and all of that. But it all comes down to self-control. And, and self-control, we see in Galatians 5, is actually a fruit of the Spirit of God in your life. So the ability to control your tongue is actually a byproduct of saving faith and actually a byproduct of the work of God in your life. And it's hard for many of us to do, right? It's hard for us to control our tongue. The second action that shows up in our life is caring for those who are most vulnerable. And here he specifically lays out the widows and orphans and those who are in distress, and you ask yourself, well, how can I care for those people? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck juggling all the things in my world and try to care for my family and try to care for myself. But when you recognize that at one point in your life, you were vulnerable and hurting and broken, and you, you let the good news of Jesus shift your paradigm to help you realize that at the point when you were hurting and broken and abandoned and unloved, that Jesus stepped in. To, to rescue you and heal you and restore you and love you. And it's when you believe that and when God starts to shift that paradigm in your heart that it does something in you to start caring tangibly for those who are in distress, specifically widows and orphans. I love what 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says. It says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and truth. Here he's echoing the same thing that James is saying. Let, let's not be hearers, but doers, right? And the third tangible action I believe that shows up in the way that we live is 
is keeping ourselves unstained from the world. And no, this is not social distancing, keeping ourselves distant. It's, it's, it's not about that. But keeping oneself or keeping yourself unstained from the world is this idea of purity or this idea of holiness. It doesn't matter how messed up the world is right now. Uh, the, the goal is that we're all to press into Jesus and to stay strong because Jesus is a, a firm foundation, right? And an anchor that we can have hope in. Well, do you want to know what you believe? Start paying attention to what you say. Do you want to, you know, you start paying attention to what you do and pay attention to how you live and start examining your life based upon these things that we've said today. And, uh, you know, examine your, examine your life. You know, does it match up to what Scripture is saying? Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, Test yourself, examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. It's important for us to look into the mirror of our life and assess what needs to change and then do something about it. So what about you this morning? Do you see things in your life that need to change? Do others around you who love you see things in your life that need to change? What is it that you would say to, to yourself or to them about why those things aren't changing in your life? And are you growing in your faith? You see, I think it's important for us to all come to grips with uh, this statement like we read in verse 18, the word of truth. It's important that we get ourselves around this book and, uh, and just really ask ourselves, what are we willing to do to commit, to incline our heart to God and his word? You know, I think there's many practical ways that we can do that. And um, it starts with prayer. Prayer is probably the first step that we can take to, to ask God. Say, God, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a desire to know you and to draw close to you and to love you. Because you may be sitting here this morning and say, you know what? I have a Bible. I have seven Bibles. I have 15 Bibles. I just, I don't know if I have the desire to, to, to read it and understand it. Start with prayer. The second thing, you know, just get a copy of God's Word and really just get into it and embrace it and, and, and read it for yourself and allow God and, and through the power of His Spirit to speak to you and through you. Next, we all have a smartphone, right? Um, I would encourage you to download the, the YouVersion Bible app. Um, there's so many ways that you can engage on the, the Bible app there. Download some reading plans, download devotionals. Set up notifications on your phone. You can add friends. You can have people keep you accountable on that. It's really a great tool uh, to really commit to incline your heart to God and his word. You know, in our day and age, there's so many resources available. Uh, the next thing I would say is sermons online. There's podcasts. You know, there's so many online resources and tools at our disposal uh, that we really should have no excuse about growing in our faith. The next thing you can do is gather with others and gather around God's word with friends or with others in your neighborhood. Get together and, and share what God is teaching you. Share what God's doing in your life. Share how he's shaping you. Share about maybe something that you don't understand and bounce it off somebody else. You know, here at the North Canton Chapel, we have practical ways that you can do that here. We talked about last week. Um, you know, this fall, we're going to be launching Rooted again. So get, get involved in a Rooted group. Uh, there's Bible studies that are happening all the time, uh, missional communities. And right now during the season, as we, we gear up for micro-gatherings and, and, and launching Reunion Sunday, uh, we're going to be able to gather in adult Bible fellowships or ABFs as well. 
We also have our online community. It's a great way to to hear from God, to engage in his word, and, and to surround ourselves with other people that are going to help encourage us in the truth. You see, it's important for us to get God's word in our heart because we can't be a doer of the word unless we hear the word and understand the word and know the word and receive the word. So commit today uh, to understand, like, there's something that I have to do in my life, and I'm going to commit to get God's word in my life and be shaped by it. You see, I, I've, I think what's important in this world and what the world needs to hear is uh, really that the church coming, coming together, um, proclaiming and, and, and demonstrating this good news uh, that, that's said in his word. And as we're shaped by his word, you know, we, we not only are slow to listen, I mean, quick to listen and slow to speak, and slow to anger, but we we actually are engaging in the mission of God all around us. I'm really encouraged because even during this season of uh, things slowing down and being in quarantine, I've been encouraged by many of our church family uh, here at the North Canton Chapel that are still engaging in the mission of God, loving their neighbors well. Um, you know, hearing of stories of of people in the online community, you know, being being led by God to go step in and do stuff with their neighbors, MC stepping in to help serve and cut down trees and all these other great things. People are taking tangible steps uh, and becoming doers of the word because of what God is saying. So my, my, my ask for you this morning is what is God saying to you and what are you willing to do about it? Let us close in prayer this morning. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much for your word. Father, it, it, it itself says that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts through bone and marrow and cuts directly to our heart. And it has the power to convict us of sin and uh, to show us what we need to do. Father, we sometimes get so stuck in life doing so many things, and we're busying ourselves with so many things. But help us to recognize this morning the thing that we need to do is receive the implanted word and be changed by your spirit to live differently, to love differently, and to be on your mission every day to everyone. Father, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. And as we continue to go through uh, this study in the book of James, would you allow us just to continue to be transformed by your word and just allow us to imply uh, the word of truth to our life. Father, we love you and we thank you. And now we just continue to stay faithful to the mission that you called us to. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces, making much of Jesus every day to everyone.